Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. It's that time of night, you can't stay uptight. So come and join the people and I'm feeling all right here on old. Yeah, one more hour live tonight on Overnight America. And from the last hour, I wanted to, I found out something during the break and I didn't realize this. So a year ago, Rudy Giuliani went through a divorce. So I didn't realize he was unmarried. I thought he was still married, uh, but he is not. So when I think about this case of the video and the Borat and whatever it is, to think that, okay, um, he's, he's not married and he thinks that there's this young journalist that's coming on to him, he's flirting with them, and the next thing you know, uh, some all these things happen in a flash. It's still icky, it's still weird, and it still doesn't reflect well on Rudy, but I think that changes things a little bit, at least in my mind, because I thought he was married, but he's not. Um, still not good, but I just thought I would point that out. I wanted to clarify that. I guess, let's see, end of last year, about a year ago, they filed for divorce, and now, uh, what, December it was finalized or something? But, yeah, he was married from 2003 to 2019. All right, let's uh, open things back up. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. If you want to call in, you can. We had a person, Andy, holding on <laughs> that was there the whole break up until right before we came back on. So if you wanted to call back, you can. I wanted to talk just a little bit about COVID in general, there's this one story on Fox 2 that was talking about a local business who was able to receive some CARES Act relief money locally here, and then all of a sudden had it pulled right back from them. And this is pretty sad and concerning, because think about the decisions you make based on the applications you put in, and to get a, uh, to get it just thrown right back away after you've already used the money is something that's concerning. And listen to how this has played out. This is from a report on Fox 2. In September, I got the notice that uh, I was awarded a $50,000 grant. A huge sigh of relief for Michael. Getting this letter just changed our world. It changed the way that I thought, and then uh, we had hope. We were going to be able to make it. Michael. 
Now, he has a pretty popular bakery, and they do a lot of wedding cakes. And they said typically they would do 40 to 50 wedding cakes a week. Wedding cakes are not cheap because the ingredients and, of course, the expertise needed to put one of those together, custom-made it takes, I mean, you have to have a lot of skill, artistic ability to put a wedding cake together. Not everyone could do this sort of thing. Yeah, you might be able to do a birthday cake. I mean, anyone could probably bake a birthday cake if they had to because it just has to taste good. It doesn't have to look all that great. But wedding cake's a whole different story. So when you're doing 40 to 50 wedding cakes a week, that's huge. And then COVID hits, weddings stop because you can't get people together. The services get delayed. And a lot of times people are just like, well, if we're not going to have a bunch of guests over, do we really need a wedding cake? So that dropped down dramatically, and his business was in jeopardy. He uh, has a business out in Florissant. It's Wedding Wonderland, a pretty popular place, apparently. They were featured on a television show for 35 years they've been open. He's owned it for about 25 of those 35 years. And then right down right down and next thing you know they're not getting nearly not even half i mean they said they went from 40 to 50 wedding cakes a week now they have orders for about 13 small cakes a week now not regular size small cakes and he said they're just scraping by so this money was a big relief michael changed up his business plan they would start making smaller cakes cupcakes and cake pops in order to fulfill the grant he had to provide receipts for what he had to buy I bought coolers for all the new smaller products that are coming to Wedding Wonderland. Then Monday, Michael got a letter that took the wind right out of his sails. Grant rescinded. I was just devastated. I'm still shaking. The letter states, your business does not fall within the round one industry classifications, which focused on awards for retailers, accommodations, food service, or health care. But Michael says Wedding Wonderland is classified as a restaurant, which is under the food service category. Yeah, as it should. As it should, and you think this would be something that would qualify under that. Now, with the CARES Act and the money that's going out, funding from the state that would help businesses stay afloat so they don't have to go under or close or furlough or whatever it is, he ends up changing his business model. He does all of these modifications, getting the equipment in order to try to find other ways to further his business, knowing that, hey, if weddings aren't going to be picking up just yet, we're going to have to find other things to sell. We'll do the smaller cakes. We'll do the cake pops. We'll do this. We'll do that. But in order to do that, we need different types of equipment. So he does all of this under the impression that he's approved for this money. And the next thing you know, they get the notification. Oops, sorry. I asked the Missouri Department of Economic Development why the grant was rescinded and how often this is happening. They sent me this statement in response. In reviewing supporting documentation submitted to the department by the more than 3,000 CARES Act program applicants, the department found that 98 applicants were sent approval letters despite not being eligible for the first round of small business grants. Michael says he doesn't know where to go from here or what options he has left. Yeah, and that's such a lousy thing to do. I hope that they review it. I hope that there's a reversal on something like that. Just think about all the times in your life where you received a loan, car loan, house loan, whatever it is. So let's say you request it. They approve the loan. Everything's good. Everything's great. You end up taking delivery of the car. You're driving the car. And then all of a sudden they said, "Ooh, we made a mistake. You don't qualify for the loan. You need to pay up right now. And you're thinking to yourself, wait, 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 wait. The whole reason I got a loan is because I can't purchase this up front. What makes you think I'm just going to pass all this money and I just have it to throw at you right now? Yeah, right. What a lousy thing to do. They really screwed up here. And the state's got to make this right. If, if they make their decisions based on what you approve for them, 
your mistake, you got to make it right because it's not their fault because they're just trying to stay afloat. Uh, so I hope that something happens here. I hope that at least this different story they decided to post on Fox 2 with this fluorescent cake business is enough for them to reconsider it and look at it because he definitely doesn't deserve to be uh, tossing and turning all night wondering if his life's work from the past 25 years is going to go under because of someone else's clerical mistake. 314-436-7900. We'll take some of your calls coming up next on Overnight America KMOX. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes, mornings and afternoons on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Welcome back. We're live up until midnight, then the replay hours kick in. So you can join us now if you want to at 314-436-7900. We'd like to hear from you. Let's go to Rob, who's holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Could it be feasible or even remotely possible that Trump would approve some sort of a corporate relief bill, uh, say, days before the election, in in, in the strategy of, of trying to get some kind of positive you know, vibe from the voters? Is that even remotely possible? What do you think? I, I think a lot of it has to do with negotiations. So if Nancy Pelosi doesn't do anything, um, I don't know if she would negotiate up until the election. Um, so I, I think there's a kind of a time window that they're looking for. I, here's what Donald Trump is already. It's kind of a win-win situation for him in the sense that he's already said that he wants to send checks out and he wants to the to help the individual side of things. It's all the other stuff that's tacked into it that he's not going to approve. And he's got the Republican support not to approve it. The, you know, the Mitch McConnell's of the world doesn't want to do something like that. And a lot of other people don't want to do it either. So I think the Republicans were putting together a plan that would just put some of the essentials back in, which is, you know, get some money to hospitals and schools and get some extra money for the loans so the other businesses can get it. And then some protections for those that need to file for unemployment. But the individual checks and all the other things that the Democrats wanted to put in there are not part of it. So there could be something else that goes into it. Um, I don't know if we're going to see it unless there's something that happens in the next couple of days, because apparently there was a report that came out today that they are closer to coming to an agreement. They said they were a step closer. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means. So I, I think they're getting there. There could be something. But ultimately, I don't know if it's Donald Trump's to do or not do. I think it has to be somehow a plan that is agreed upon gets through, and that really is uh, independent of him at this point. Sounds reasonable. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, I, th- I think if it were just up to the Republicans, they would put, because they had that $1.8 trillion, I believe it was $1.8 trillion plan is what they wanted to see, and then Pelosi comes up to, like, what, $3.5 trillion, so not quite double, but it's up there. It might have even been double. But part of the problem is that they wanted to spend all of this money and send it for things that had nothing to do with COVID. So you look at all the states that are having issues because of um, the way that they've handled the government. They don't want to open things up. They, they hassle. They fine. You know, if you they, they catch you going to a synagogue, 
if you're uh, Jewish, they're going to arrest, or not arrest, but they'll fine you for doing things like that. Like, did you see the videos in New York? This is so crazy. So it got to the point where there's, I don't know what the holiday was. You'll have to excuse me. I'm not Jewish, but there was a certain holiday that they were celebrating and they were threatened. Hey, if you go and celebrate this holiday at your synagogue, we're going to find you uh, fine. F-I-N-E. We're going to find you. And what ended up happening was that you saw the police in New York City, and there's video evidence of them doing this. They were walking by these synagogues and they were using their cell phone and holding it up to spy inside of the building in order to try to see if they can catch people inside in order to use that as a way to find the building or the people. Isn't that lousy? But then again, you can go out and protest and spray paint and do all of these other things and they won't bat an eye or try to fine you for doing something like that by violating it in such a different way. But if you're extending your own religious uh, Uh, beliefs or your services, then yeah, by all means, they're going to go out and do that to you. So what you find in these states, predominantly Democratic-run states, is that they have really still thought that we need to continue the imposing of the restrictions. So uh, if it's religious services or if it's businesses or if it's whatever, they're continuing to do this, and it's had a tremendous uh, impact on them economically in the wrong direction. It's been going down. What about even in California? There are so many companies and businesses that are leaving California because they're just sick and tired of this. They're paying some of the highest taxes, and they're looking around and they're saying, what are you even doing with my tax money? Um, It doesn't look like I'm getting anything for it because this place is a dump. I mean, you go to some of these large cities, and you see the issues that they have with the homeless they're not taking care of them properly just you know human waste and needles on the ground right next to where you're eating your kids are walking and part of the problem too is that they realized that they're going to set up these camps inside of rich neighborhoods because they can't do nothing about it so you have a two million dollar property and across the street is a in camp uh, a homeless camp in California is not spending your tax money taking care of the homeless. They're doing a terrible job with it. You know, they have these incredibly high uh, cost of living, and it's just insane. So it's impossible for even homeless people to get their feet on the ground in a place like California where it's already impossibly difficult to live even if you have a good-paying job. So you have all of these things factoring in. Businesses are leaving. They're getting tired of these things. They're tired of the overregulation. They're looking around and they're saying, this is nonsense that, that you're continuing to lock it down. You won't let me work the way I want to work. You won't let me open up my company. What am I supposed to do? So what happens? In comes Nancy Pelosi for the, <laughs> the, 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 the win, she thinks. We're going to put a bunch of money. We're going to give all that money to states who continue to keep their economy on lockdown so they don't have to open things back up. So she wants to reward the economies that are doing poorly right now because they refuse to open things back up. That's the wrong way to look at it. So now you have the Republicans that are saying, I don't think so. Um, I don't think you should be taking this money that could be used for all kinds of other things away from states that are doing the uh, that have opened up and that have been found a way to do this safely and you know, responsibly. And I don't think you should be taking away from them in order to continue to discourage and keep things on lockdown in these Democratic-run states. This is ridiculous. Another part of what they tried to push through was, again, student loan forgiveness. Okay, student loan forgiveness. This is part of this, you know, very left-leaning, socialist way of thinking 
where in order to try to level the playing field, because people that took student loans out to get an education were ripped off for the education or whatever it is, or they pay too much or it's keeping them down or whatever it is. So as part of COVID, in order to fight COVID, they feel it's necessary to give the relief of those that have student loans and then just forgive it. That's ridiculous. So I think if you want to debate the merit of those things on their own, you have to separate it from a stimulus bill. You have to separate it because what you're going to do is just, you're going to help certain areas, but you're not helping the areas that need it right now. And that's that's an issue. Well, are they going to come to an agreement? I don't know. Should they come to an agreement? I don't know. I just don't know. So here's NBC News. They were the latest one to put this out here. And this is the article I was trying to find from earlier. And the headline was, help is on the way. Pelosi says COVID-19 relief deal could be imminent. Uh, this is the very latest out of NBC. Help on the way, they say. I don't know what's going to be in this. I just hope they don't jam all this garbage in. Uh, Pelosi said that she's expecting to speak with Secretary of Treasury Steve Mnuchin, uh, who has been the, the Trump administration's main representative, uh, 2.30 on Wednesday, which was today. Um, so I guess this article was written before then. So we're a couple of hours removed from there. She says, my view is that there's no reason that America's school shouldn't be the safest place in America for our children to go learn. Well, if you had to listen to the Republicans, they would have agreed with you on that and they would have easily have passed it through if the money was going to schools. But you try to jam it into all these other places that it doesn't belong. So don't make it look at, uh, like the Nancy Pelosi was out there representing the good fight because Republicans just wanted dangerous and dirty schools and, you know, breeding grounds for this and that. No, in fact... You're the one that was turning it away, and you would uh, try to uh, sandbag the whole process to try to get all your other things, and then in return put schools out to dry. Uh, let's see. The Speaker acknowledged Mitch McConnell that the final agreement may not happen until after Election Day, so that's pretty true. What we're really looking forward to, at least on Friday, and then the process of moving forward to put Amy Coney Barrett under the Supreme Court, I feel like that's going to be a, a pretty big focus of the Republicans in order to uh, get that moving. You know, there's a couple of other things when it comes to COVID. There's been some more back and forth when it comes to um, Dr. Fauci. Here's what he said. There are some fundamental ways to prevent the acquisition and transmission of SARS coronavirus 2. I have repeated this so many times publicly, but I think it worth repeating now. The universal wearing of masks or cloth face coverings, maintaining physical distance at least six feet, Avoiding crowds in congregate settings, particularly indoors. Remember that outdoor functions are always safer than indoor functions. And frequent washing of hands is important. I would say the distance and the hand washings are very, very, very important for things like that. Um, more on that. Uh, Scott Atlas, who works with the president, here's what he said uh, about policies. This is not like we locked down and... Uh, and hope for herd immunity, or, or we hope for herd immunity. That's not the issue. The issue is we must open up because we're killing people. A misguided uh, idea that we're going to eliminate all risk from life, we're going to stop people from taking any risk that they are well aware of, we're going to close down businesses, we're going to stop schools. Th these are these are inappropriate and destructive policies. Mm. And. So when you hear that on the surface, you would think, oh, that's such a cold, terrible way to look at it. But it's an honest way to look at it. You're not going to minimize all risks. 
this is one of the reasons why I've really had issue when it comes to socialized medicine, because once you have the government that has the ability to tell you that, hey, in order to get this medicine from us, you're the only health care available to you, the socialized medicine in our country, you're going to have to obey all of the regulations that we tell you. So, hey, there's no such thing as risk anymore. We're going to eliminate that risk for you. So when there's issues, you lose the freedom to do what you think is best for you. So what if you disagree with your government? Like, you know, I don't have a problem taking a vaccine for COVID-19, but some people do. What Do you think it's in the government's purview, like Joe Biden would say? Do you think it's in the government's, um, it should be their place to say that you have to, you're forced to get a vaccine for COVID-19? No, I don't think the government should be forcing you to do that. But think of it this way. If we had socialized medicine and that's everything they wanted and they said, well, um, the only way you're going to be able to get health care is if you do this. Otherwise, you're not able to get health care. Then what are you going to do? You're done. Isn't that isn't that the way the government bullies you to do what they want you to do? They, they take all control over and then they say, well, you're going to have to do it our way because, hey, you're getting it from us. You know, when you're living under this roof, you have to live by our rules. You know, it's kind of like what mom and dad used to say to you. And it could be like that for all kinds of different things. You know, hey, um, you smoke. Oh, that's bad for you. And that's driving up the health care problem. So we're going to make it so you can't do this or do this to your body or your whatever. Uh, We don't like this. We don't like that. What if that's the, the path that they want you to go down? And that's part of the problem. So when you see stuff like this going on, there are valid concerns that you should be able to disagree and protest what your government is telling you, and you should be able to have your opinion on it. And I think that's kind of the point that Scott Atlas is making. There's are, there are risks in life, and um, some people decide to do certain things with their lives. All right, uh, it's Overnight America KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back. Overnight America is live for another 20 minutes or so. And the last presidential debate will be tomorrow on Thursday, starting at 8 o'clock. You'll hear it live on KMOX, and then I'll be on right after for analysis. And I'm looking forward to spending that time with you tomorrow night. So, uh, what should we expect from this? You know, I didn't realize this, but the president sat down with Eric Bowling, formerly of Fox News. He's been doing some independent work. I don't know what network he's with, if it's more independent. or I thought he was with the Blaze there, but I don't think he's representing them. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he was at the White House. He was asking President Trump what to expect on the debate, which is happening on Thursday night. And do you want to know what topics they'll be covering? I'll tell you that in just a moment. Here's part of that. The debate is coming up on Thursday. I just wanted to talk to you. This came out this week that some new rules were added specifically that there was going to be a mute button added to Kirsten Welker's, um, I guess, repertoire of what she will be able to do as debate moderator. First of all, your thought on the new rule. Well, that's not fair. Plus, they changed the topics, which isn't fair. just happened. Plus, Kristen Welker obviously is a heavily biased person with her parents being fundraisers and having supported the Democrats. And she's a uh, Democrat. I know her well. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. But if you look at uh, the last uh, person had to leave in disgrace because it turned out that he was obviously very biased and... uh, I wouldn't say that Chris Wallace did himself proud. So, but this is nothing new for President Trump. No. For, for Donald Trump, the, my life. the, the President uh, Trump also, there's been a, I guess, a perceived hostile media towards you. Um, what's your strategy going into this debate? A lot of people are saying you cut Biden, Biden off. Some people liked it. Others didn't. Any different uh, debate prep strategy? Well, a lot of people liked it. He was lying. He was, you know, going point after point, and uh, they weren't truthful points, so I uh, let him know that. I thought it was good. I think a lot of people agreed with that, and some people probably didn't. Some people think let him talk because he loses his train. He just loses it, and he doesn't speak the train of thought. But uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you really have to be there. You know, I've done a lot of debating in the last four years, as you know, and it's worked out well. Or I guess we're not here, come to think of it. It's called the White House, right? But the fact is that uh, you see, I I find you always have to just wait. It's, uh, you have a strategy, but all of a sudden you change your strategy. We'll see what it is, whatever it is, it is. All right, so he may change his strategy. That's the, at the very end, points out that he could do something a little bit different this debate. What are the topics? So here's the latest that I saw, unless they've changed it between now and then, but Fox News did an article about the uh, upcoming debate, the Commission for Presidential Debates, a bipartisan group. I guess some people would put that in quotes (laughs) that's been organizing and running the uh, debates for the last three decades. So here's what they are talking about. Fighting COVID-19. So they talked about that in the last debate as uh, they figure that out. Race in America, which they talked about in the last debate. National security which I guess came up, but I don't know if it was a particular point that was brought up in the line of questioning. 
Uh, this issue wasn't, I guess, in the first debate, but they did talk about national security. At least Trump pushed it. Uh, climate change, that was in the first debate, too. Leadership, which was, um, you know, I don't know if... Th- this one's a little bit more broad in the sense that it's not something that directly came up in the first one. And then the last one, American families, which is interesting. So when you hear the term American families, do you think that's the opportunity for Donald Trump to slip in Hunter? I don't know. Maybe. Well, here's the other part, too. I think that tomorrow morning, unless something has changed, one of the 2016 depositions for the associate of Jeffrey Epstein, the deposition was originally not going to come out, but a judge ruled that, yeah, it has to come out. Who knows who she named in this thing? It was a two-day deposition where she could be talking about everything she knows in regards to Jeffrey Epstein and the people that were his associates and some of the things that they may have done as associates. Islands, where did they go? Who traveled where with girls underage? Who knows what's said in that? What if that comes out tomorrow morning and that's something that could be used as part of the debate? Let's say there's you know evidence of anyone being on there that associates either way. So that could be a point of discussion. I don't know. That could be one of those bombshells we're just waiting to see. I think there's so many things that will find its way just like veering off. And the difficult thing in this one, if they're going to cut off microphones and you're unable to challenge your opponent and they can go speaking without any sort of challenge. So let's say Donald Trump does bring up something and then they, you know, Joe Biden does what he does best. He just decides not to address it and just doesn't say anything about it. What if that's what happens? What if it goes the other way, too? You know that uh, I think Donald Trump is always looking for an opportunity to uh, defend and fight when he hears something he disagrees or doesn't like. But that's going to be a little bit more difficult or a little different in a, a style like this. I, I think it would be smart for him to realize that I'm sure that he might be able to get it in here and there, but if he abuses it, I'm sure they're going to start using this mute button. Like, if, if you just step in and you say, not true, right? I, I don't think that they're going to scold you. They might, I don't know, but... That would probably get over. But, I mean, if you really step over each other like the first debate did, and there was some really terrible, like, it really made you wonder, what are they doing moments where they were stepping over each other? It was, it was hard to watch at times. But I think that's what they're trying to avoid. Hopefully, if it's not abused, that there'll be those moments where he can have his Donald Trump moments where he just steps in and says, not true, or, you know, that's a lie, or fake news, or whatever it is, as long as you get a little thing in there. But I think it's going to be difficult for him to contain himself. I hope he does. I I hope that it's well-disciplined. It's the last debate. There's only so much you can do, and we'll see where it goes from there. I think you'll be watching it. I'll definitely be listening to it, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it tomorrow night when we're going to have our regular guests on after the debate. Rich Rubino will join us right after for analysis. Kristen Arnold's going to come on tomorrow night, too after to talk about how the moderators uh, handled themselves, in this case, how the moderator handled herself. Uh, Conflicts of interest, what's going to come up? Hunter, who knows? I'm just really, really, really interested in how this will play out. Who knows? This may surprise everyone, and this might be a great presidential debate, but after watching that first one, I'm not too sure. Uh, Chris is calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Ryan? Yes. Go ahead, Chris. I can hear the radio in the background there. I yeah. talked to you a couple of days ago and said that they were going to be able to turn off the mics. And I mm-hmm. must say you were very dismissive of me and said, oh, well, that happens all the time. Oh, I don't remember if I said that, but yeah, I, it was, they were you talking did. about changing the mics off. Yeah. 
But it's you, it's going to be a concern, and people ought to be aware of it. But so, what's your concern with them cutting out the microphones? Well, who do you think's going to get cut off more than Biden? I mean, think about it. Every time they mm-hmm. have a chance to sabotage this guy, my president, they do it. Yeah. What's the um, what's the what do you think the protocol should be? So should it just be automatically turn the microphone off or should it not even be a thing? I think someone needs to control it, but just give everybody 10 minutes, each person 10 minutes. And if they oh, do that, instead Pardon of two, me? go 10 minutes. That's like a now that's like a mini speech. I don't know if Joe Biden could go 10 minutes, even if he tried. I don't think he could. Anyway, let's let's all be aware of what they're trying to pull here, Ryan, because. They're nasty people. The moderator, Kristen Welker, spent the Christmas in the White House when um, Barack Obama and his family were there. She spent time with them. Now, somebody did just acknowledge that her parents were fundraisers. Don't you see that as a, for the Democrats, don't you see that as a conflict of interest? I do. Uh, maybe. Uh, it depends what her involvement was. So if it's just their parents doing certain things and it's not involving her, then I don't know, maybe, but not really. It just depends on, you know, what, what she did, I guess. I'm, if you're going to extend that and say the parents are, you know, you got to start background checking the parents too, before doing something like this. I, I don't think it necessarily speaks to her merits per se. Like the, the real concern was the second debate moderator, the one that was from PBS who interned with Joe Biden and has worked with him. You know, that's the real concern. But, you know, if, if it's just like the parents fundraising, probably that's not the that's not the thing that should uh, tip you off. I mean, it, you have to look at her own actions. OK, Ryan, I'm going to I'm going to say I think you're very naive. <laughs> you said that last time, too. Well, it's true. <laughs> Well, why would her parents extend to the way that she acts? No, I'm asking, though, why would her parents, why would the things her parents do extend to her just by de facto? Because you don't think sometimes kids are different from their parents or they might have a different path? No, I think they're all in bed with the Democrats and I don't like it. And they're going to go after Trump, but he'll hold his own. I don't I don't mind. He'll, He'll do fine. Yeah, I think he'll do fine, too. All right. Thanks, Chris. Good to hear from you. No, I I think it's uh, it's not that I'm naive. I think that you have to look for the individual instances that would cause concern as opposed to saying, well, their parents were fundraising for the Democrats, so she must be in the tank for Joe Biden. I don't know if you can necessarily do that. I think what you'd want to say is she fundraised for the Democrats, right? Or she interned for Joe Biden, like the PBS uh, commentator that got in trouble for tweeting things out and coordinating questions with uh, Scaramucci or whatever. Those are the things that are uh, should raise concerns. Those are the things. Um, but on the own merit of it, no. I mean, her parents being fundraisers is not a disqualifier by any means. I, I, I think um, I'm not naive to say that. I think you just have to be a little bit more understanding that in a perfect world, I don't know how you're going to find anyone that doesn't have any association with any politics at any time. Like you're going to find someone whose parents who never did anything in politics and they lived on uh, an island under a rock. So you can't say, oh, they once voted for Republicans, so they must be in the tank for Republicans. So I, I, I think it's a it's a it's a problem if you go too far deep down the line of trying to find problems with the moderator. I think you have to find a direct problem with the person 
and then use that as your concern before going into it and saying that there's these outside influences that may have uh, got through to him. This is Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. And here we are in Overnight America. You are welcome to call in if you want to, but we only got a couple of minutes, and I have Kevin Colleen's whole other story that we're going to be playing back here about flannel sheets. <laughs> I'm not a fan of flannel sheets myself, but I think it'll be fun for Kevin Colleen to do a commentary on it. All right, just two things I wanted to play real quick. When we're talking about getting enough electoral votes to be the president of the United States, they talk about the path to 270. And there's two different ways to look at it, Biden's path and Trump's path. CNN's Harry Enten uh, looked at both of those paths. Here's one for Biden. Essentially, take a look at the state poll averages and assign to Joe Biden all the states where he holds at least a five-point lead in both the September and October polls. And he gets the 279 electoral votes, more than the 270 needed to win. This is even spotting President Trump states like Florida, Arizona, and North Carolina, states where Biden holds smaller leads than five points. So the real question is, can President Trump get into those Midwestern battlegrounds like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan to win? He needs to flip at least one of those, I believe. But take a look at the polling averages in those states. Look at this. Joe Biden holds leads of at least seven points in all of them. He's at 50% plus in all of them. So right now, it's not looking good for President Trump. All right, so that was his analysis there. How about what he thinks the path for Donald Trump? Look, it's possible. You know, one of the maps I try to put together is essentially you give Trump all the states that he won in 2016, except for, say, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. And then if he were to be able to go in and, say, win both Nevada and New Hampshire states that Hillary Clinton won in 2016, he could do it. But here again, look at the polling averages. You see former Vice President Joe Biden with clear leads in both Nevada and New Hampshire and Biden over 50 percent. So it's just really, really tough. All right. So let me point out two things. There was one article in the National, was it National Review? And I'm actually going to have the uh, the author of that article on next week. And he wanted to point out something when it came to these polls. He said, by the way, uh, Joe Biden is polling lower than where Hillary Clinton was polling. And you thought Hillary Clinton was a shoe in. Joe Biden's polling lower than that right now. So uh, I wouldn't uh, bank on that if you're trying to count the Electoral College, which I think is a fair point. All right, let's take a listen. Good old Kevin Colleen. The house has been very cold these mornings, and it's hard to, to get out of bed and make it to that hot shower. That's the goal. You, but it, the, the hallway is so drafty, you feel like Admiral Perry in your plaid boxers crossing a frozen tundra to get to the bathroom. It's also hard to get up because my wife made the switch the other night from regular sheets to flannel sheets. Jack Buck used to say that something was as cool as the other side of the pillow, but with flannel sheets, the other side of the pillow and the whole bed is toasty. It's hard to face the day from beneath flannel sheets. I hear my wife's alarm clock going off every five minutes as she hits the snooze button. We're both bluffing to see who'll get up first because once you do, it's a package deal. Downstairs, the dog has been listening to all of this. She's been chronicling the sounds of the night, the trips to the bathroom, the snoring, finally the alarm, and when she hears footsteps creaking on the old floorboard, she knows it's time to jangle her collar, her signal that she must go out now, or your Persian rug in the living room will have a new design. Once you let her out, she gets the post-dispatch off the lawn and keeps it clenched in her teeth, it's her currency of purchase to demand her dog food breakfast right away. She brings the paper into the kitchen, and I follow her barefooted in my underwear. It's 
freezing in the back of the house there, and she won't let go of that paper until you fill up her bowl. But first, I try to put some water in her bowl. You can't, you can't do it the other way around, or she'll be bumping you, and you'll be sloshing water when you uh, do the water second. Well, after feeding the dog, it's recently it's time to check on our new addition to the family, the pet rat. It's really a hamster our daughter Emily smuggled into the house for two weeks before she told us about it, and we have to shuttle that rat back and forth from the dining room to the breakfast room because it's warmer in the dining room by night but sunnier in the breakfast room by day. I have to admit that for a rat, that hamster is somewhat likable, and your heart goes out to any creature who's stuck in a cage all day just running around in a spinning wheel. It reminds me of my colleagues and me at the office. Well, finally, it's time to go back upstairs and take that hot shower, but you get to the top of the steps, the bathroom door is closed, you can hear the water running, my wife has beat me to it, and all you can do on a cold morning such as these is get back under the flannel sheets and hit the snooze button. <laughs> With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. Oh, I love that. I hate flannel sheets myself, but I'm glad Kevin has found the joy of the flannel. Next couple of hours of Overnight America, the replay hours, which you can find as part of the Overnight America podcast. Go check it out. Go subscribe. We'll be back again tomorrow. Don't forget, right after the last presidential debate, looking forward to it in you. We'll see you. Bye. With the lonely rain Wishing I could see your face again Change the dial on the radio Find something playing kind of bluesy and slow If things were only like they used to be We'd be lying in love tonight I wish you'd call me on the telephone I don't want to spend another night alone Sleeping with the radio on It's the only way I can make it till dawn Sleeping with the radio on You're on my mind And I can't forget you Let's take the rest of the day Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.